Did you know that for the 1920 tax year, there's a one-off annual allowance compensation scheme where the government are effectively paying your annual allowance pensions tax bill? But there are some really important deadlines approaching for those of you who intend to make use of this annual allowance compensation scheme. And we've been talking about this for months now on our emails, on our blog, on social media, on this podcast, specifically episodes 29. But worryingly, it seems that although 7,600 doctors have an annual allowance tax bill for 1920, only 2,100 doctors have applied for the compensation scheme, which means that potentially 5,500 doctors are going to miss out on what is as close to free money as you can get. If, like me, you've already completed the necessary paperwork for the annual allowance compensation scheme in 1920, Help your colleagues out who may not even be aware of this. Tell them about this podcast and point them in the right direction. We're all in this together and we have to help each other out and raise awareness. So on today's podcast, you will not be surprised to hear that once again, we talk about the 1920 annual allowance compensation schemes and the really important deadlines that are approaching. It's worth pointing out that we are using the mandatory deadlines in this podcast But we also cover so much more, including the essential pensions checks that every single NHS pension holder should perform. And we talk about the tax trap with salary sacrifice cars. And like everything with pensions, it's very, very complicated. And the impact of this depends on your individual circumstances. And it's not always bad news. So if you're just looking for a 25 minute quick summary of the latest pensions news, then this podcast is it. It's worth mentioning that today's podcast was part of a presentation which we were invited to give to the British Society of Urological Surgeons Conference. We're getting loads of speaking invites, which is great that doctors want to learn more and empower themselves to make better financial decisions. And we're doing as many of these speaking invites as time allows. But if we couldn't make your conference or take up your kind invite, I'm really, really sorry, and hopefully this podcast goes some way towards making up for that. As ever, this podcast is for entertainment only and definitely does not constitute any form of financial advice. Regrettably, we can't respond to individual email questions, but you can ask your financial advisor if you have any questions. You can find a financial advisor who understands the pension scheme on Medics Money. And I've also put a really useful link to the NHS Pensions website in the show notes, which explains most or almost all of what you need to do to apply for the 1920 Annual Allowance Compensation Scheme. So definitely check that out. Once again, thank you so much for listening, for sharing it with your colleagues and helping us to empower doctors to make better financial decisions. Welcome to the Medics Money Podcast. My name is Dr. Tommy Perkins and I'm a GP. And my name is Dr. Ed Cantelow, a GP, but also a chartered accountant and a chartered tax advisor. And yes, you did hear that right. Not only is Ed a doctor, he's also a chartered accountant and a tax advisor. Medics Money empowers doctors and other professionals like you to make better financial decisions. Hi, everyone. My name is Dr. Tommy Perkins, and I'm one half of Medics Money. The other half of Medics Money is my colleague, Dr. Ed Cantello, who is also a doctor, but uh, also a chartered accountant and chartered tax advisor. Medics Money is a unique doctor-led collaborative that aims to do two things. One, to educate uh, doctors on financial issues, because we just get plenty of mandatory 
education uh, at work, like patronizing things about not using water fire extinguishers on an electrical fire, but no one really gives us any financial education. And if we do get financial education, sometimes it comes from poorly trained salespeople who are trying to sell us something. So that's one thing that uh, Medics Money does. The second thing we notice is that doctors struggle to find good financial advice. There's loads of advisors out there that claim to specialize in doctors and using our unique skill set, we've gathered all of the very best advisors in one place on Medics Money. And if you need advice, you can uh, search for an advisor. We, our algorithm matches your criteria to an advisor and you can contact them. And I'm delighted to introduce one of those financial advisors today, uh, Miss Rachel Hall. Hi, Tommy. It's lovely to be here. And thank you thank to the you college so for inviting me along. Yeah, absolutely. Like, thank you so much for the college for talking about money because doctors aren't supposed to talk about money, right? Um, before we start, I just want to mention, Rachel, uh, it looks pretty glamorous where you are now. And <laughs> is that your yacht in the background? Uh, no, see? it's not, unfortunately. Um, no, I am at um, a, a yoga retreat in the Lake District uh, right now, um, which I've been kind of craving uh, this last year. And the insurance industry has said that there's going to be an epidemic in mental health problems. So we're trying to do lots of health and well-being. And this is kind of my retreat. So if you can see, I'm at a beautiful hotel on, um, I think it's Lake Windermere at the lakeside. So, yes. Well, thank you so much for interrupting your retreat. And um, no problem. we all believe you that that's not your yacht. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, shall we get straight into it? Because there's been so much changes around the pension recently. Uh, doctors aren't taught much about the pension, uh, but actually there's a lot to learn. And there's some really, really important things to cover. And we're going to try and cover as much of that as we can today. So I thought the first thing that we should talk about, which some doctors might have heard about, is the McLeod remedy and mm. what doctors need to do about it. Yeah, we've got a lot of people phoning in at the moment asking questions about McLeod. And the first thing to note is there is actually nothing to do. Um, right now, um, we don't even know, uh, we don't even think the Treasury uh, knows what it's doing. Um, so members who were in service um, on or before the 31st of March 2012 will be affected by McLeod. And um, there is something which is known as the financial remedy period. So these are the years that the government needs to uh, compensate mem these members for. And essentially what it means is that for a lot of people on the 1st of April 2015, they transitioned into the 2015 scheme, but they kept sal final salary linking with the 995 section or the 08 sections. And building up accrual um, or still having this active link in both pension schemes has created um, along with the tapered annual allowance which we've, we've seen a lot of issues with over the years has created situations where people have had really high levels of charges now um, the the consultation is now uh, closed and the government have responded to this and what they've said is that they are going to um, provide everyone with a, what is known as a deferred choice underpin. So what that means is that they are essentially at retirement, people will probably be offered two kind of pension statements, if you like, and one will have pension A and pension B. 
And for the financial remedy period, it's seven years, which affects um, the 2015, from 2015 to 2022. And there's four tax years in between then. So what they're going to do is they're going to essentially um, either take the service away from the 2015 scheme, place it back into 1995, show you what the benefits are. But on the 1st of April 2022, everybody will be split again with this final salary linking. Um, so um, the um, so we're getting asked a lot of questions. Um, you know, should I retire right now? Um, how am I affected by this? And the truth of it is, until this has been, um, until we have the detail, we just don't know, um, unfortunately. Um, so the scheme's official go live date with the remedy will be October 2023. So it's quite a long time away now. Um, but the, as far as we know, the NHS pension scheme have all discussed this. They've put a proposal together. That's gone to the Treasury and at the minute we're just waiting for sign off. So one of the things, one of the kind of frustrations that people have right now is um, if you've incurred an annual allowance charge, but you believe that actually once this DCU takes effect, because when you, the 2015 scheme has a higher rate of accrual. So if we take those benefits and put them back to 1995, unless you're an MHO, like a psychiatrist, then um, you're probably going to end up with a tax rebate because the 1995 benefits are lower. Um, but it's a bit Schrodinger's cat. So at this moment in time, we could probably get rid of some, you know, completely negate some people's um, annual allowance charges, but it's not in legislation yet. So we've got to still continue as we are until we've got more information. Yeah. Okay. So from a layperson's perspective, uh, just to summarise, if you were in the NHS pension scheme uh, on the 31st of March 2012, then you will be impacted by this. Is that right? That's correct. And you would have the option at retirement to either go back to your legacy scheme or stay in your current scheme. And that's what's referred to as For DCU. Those seven or years. Deferred... For those seven years. Yes. Yeah. And that's what's referred to as deferred choice underpin. Yeah. But it's very and, complex because yeah. there are um, there's a lot of unknowns about what it means for income tax, people who've retired, um, what it means in terms of how they're going to deal with annual allowance charges, final year's calculations. And there's a little bit of ambiguity within the government's response, because in some cases it kind of suggests that anything relating to the remedy period will be refunded unless someone opts, opts for a higher uh, pension. Um, but then there's this four year statutory time limit in which they can um, seek unpaid or underpaid annual allowance charges. But we've also seen, um, for example, the police force, they've just uh, written to the government to say that the remedy within itself is still discriminatory. Um, so we've kind of, I think they've fallen down a rabbit hole with this. So it's yeah. very complicated. Um, there are lots of different factors to take into account, but nobody, there is nothing anybody can do right now. Yeah. Okay. Um, and we've got loads of podcasts which get really into details on that. I'll drop the link for that at the end of the presentation. So if you were a urological surgeon right now, maybe you've been a consultant uh, for five or 10 years, you know, what that what you said that we don't need to do anything but there must be a few things or good practice that we could do to yeah. prepare for 
Absolutely. And these are one of the things that I was going to come on to anyway, and that's good housekeeping. So Perfect. it's about keeping all of your tax documentation, especially relating to this, this remedy period. Um, I'm actually going to do record keeping it towards the end of this session. So if, if, if we'll park that yeah. one for now, and we'll come back to it later. Yeah, okay. Another really, really important thing that I wanted to mention, because uh, despite our best efforts at Medics Money and uh, everybody else who's publicising it, is the um, annual allowance scheme compensation, which is for the 1920 tax year. This is really, really important. And I feel that some doctors still aren't aware about it. So do you want to give us an overview of that and what doctors need to do fairly soon about this? Yeah, so the annual allowance compensation scheme um, is is a, a legal form of tax evasion, apparently, um, which has been authorised and signed off by the uh, Chancellor and the Treasury. So um, essentially what it is, is that any clinicians who are working over the 2019-2020 tax year who have an annual allowance charge, um, as long as they are registered uh, clinicians, um, I would also um, just uh, mention that locums can also apply for this compensation scheme um, and you do so via your employer. OK, so it would be the HR department. Now, if you go on to NHS England's website and look in the pension section, there's a whole infographic and lots of information about this. But what you need to do is you need to have an annual allowance charge in the 2019-2020 tax year. Now, I know a lot of people still don't know what their situation is for 2019-2020. Now, in all cases where somebody doesn't have the information, you can still um, submit a scheme payers election with a kind of best guess on it. You can put a nominal figure on there from as little as a pound. Um, some people suggest you should put £10 on because you don't get acknowledgement letters below a pound. But the most important thing to know is that the 2019-2020 scheme payers elections have to be in by the end of next month. So that's the 31st of July. So guys, if, if you haven't done a scheme payers election and you're worried about your situation, you absolutely must download one of these SPE2 forms. So what you do is you complete your form, put in nominal figures if you don't know, um, and then you need to download the policy uh, application form, which is on the NHS England website. In fact, Tommy, we might be able to give everyone the links to that um, towards yep. the end of the session. Um, and then what you do is you send your scheme payers election and the policy application form to HR. They confirm, they, they, they sort of rubber stamp it and say, yes, you were employed and you were a registered clinician. Um, and then um, basically you can apply for the, the compensation. And how that works is that um, at retirement, um, you will receive a separate payment. Okay, so this won't be actually part of your pension. It will be a separate form of compensation and you will receive an annual statement saying what your compensation is going to be for the like for each year. Um, so that's how that works. Um, so the policy, um, the annual allowance 2019-2020 uh, compensation policy application deadline is the 31st of March 2022. So it's next year. So just remember those important dates. Get onto the scheme payers and get them in now. And while you're at it, do the annual allowance compensation form as well. 
And then what you should do is you should keep these records indefinitely, at least until you retire. Because if you lose that and you don't have evidence, you might end up in a situation where you don't get the compensation. So don't put yourself in that position. Um, keep all your records. Yeah, and now I get to talk to the best advisors in the business about Medics Money, and they're all of them. Their number one tip is keep the paperwork, keep the records, because record keeping is a huge problem with the uh, pension. So that's great, uh, great info. So can I just summarise this to make sure that I've got it correct? Correct. So for nineteen twenty, there's a special one-off uh, legalised tax evasion, as you uh, said. I mean, it's as close <laughs> to free. It's as close to free money as you can get because essentially in 1920 tax year, if you have an annual allowance charge, the government will pay that charge for you at retirement using a special one-off scheme pays arrangement. Is that correct? It is, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, so I'm a GP, right? So our pension records are always out, always out of date. Okay. So I have no idea. Well, I do have an idea of my potential charge in 1920. So uh, with my accountant and my financial advisor, we have put in a scheme pays election for £10, okay, because we mm -hmm. don't know the figures yet. Uh, and I've put that in before the deadline, which means I haven't missed the boat. And at a later mm -hmm. date when Capita, let's not talk about that today because um, I'll start crying. But if Capita get the figures to uh, from PCSE to the pensions, then I can amend my scheme pays. I still put the form in in time and I'm all good. Is that, yeah. have I got that right? And you've got up to four years to actually amend these forms. Now, the other issue is going to be, like we've gone back to McLeod and said, our estimates right now will probably change again um after this remedy has been implemented so you shouldn't be making any forms final um because well we can still close off that tax year right now but we've we've got to assume that those um split benefits which are split at the moment are going to return to the 1995 so there's a good chance you're going to have to revisit these forms in the future anyway so just file it as an estimate get that in um and then you don't have to worry about about that yeah uh, and, you know, we know how busy working in the NHS is right now, uh, but, you know, mm. you, you just cannot afford to miss this deadline. It is as close to free money as you can get. Legalised tax evasion, as Rachel said, I like that. Uh, so please just have spend five minutes looking at that. Uh, we've got a whole podcast on that. So have a look at that as well. Uh, OK, so that's a really good summary of two really important issues. But what else are you talking to your clients about at the moment, yeah. Rachel? So, um so a lot of people ask about um, how they can look af at their, after their annual allowance position. Um, and I wanted to share just a, a little bit of um, just some of the problems that we come up um, like against during our work and day. Um, so a lot of the time when we're doing pension work, um, we obtain copies of people's service records. And this is where a lot of problems lie. Now, the issue start can start, and especially for part-time workers. Um, so, for example, somebody's not working 10 PAs, they might be working eight. Um, if that's the case, then what we're finding is that some payroll departments are misreporting the sessions and people are having um, their, because in the 1995 section, it works on a notional whole time equivalent. So even if your actual pensionable pay is, I don't know, let's just say 80,000, yeah, the 1995 section will pick up the whole time equivalent. So they'll, they'll, it'll pick up 100K, yeah. 
Now, what we're finding is that when we go back into previous periods, these pay figures are being misreported and the sessions are, are incorrect. So in some cases, it can create a situation where the automated system thinks that someone's subject to an earnings cap. So it gets pulled and put into a workflow because it has to be manually calculated, which means that for a couple of years, someone might actually not receive any information. So we've had those issues to deal with. And then some people have just got missing gaps in their service records. And then someone, some people have absolutely ludicrous whole time equivalent figures. Now, when the system's wrong, obviously you get we put rubbish in, you get rubbish out, and this is factoring into annual allowance statements. Now, I was talking to a work colleague of mine the other day who um, told me that somebody was just climbing through normal pay scales, nothing particularly exciting happening, and then all of a sudden they get an annual allowance statement which suggests that they've got a two hundred thousand pound increase in the pension. So that's the pension input amount. Um, I straight away said that's got to be wrong. That does not sound correct. We got the service record and we found these errors. So what I wanted to do was share um, with the, the college members today how you can actually um, do the due diligence yourself and what good housekeeping actually looks like. So one of the things that you can do is you can actually tell, you know, you can phone NHS pensions and ask for a record of all of the pay figures that have been reported. You can get this information from a few different sources. So the first one is the total rewards system. The problem is with the total rewards statement. So that's the statement which gives you your retirement benefits. The problem is, is that if there's something misreported, it's going to upset the total rewards statement as well. So you can't just rely upon that. This is just one piece of due diligence. So telephone the scheme, ask them to tell you you want two pay figures. You want the actuals that are now reported on um, membership and pay statements. These are not available for download on ESR. Okay, you you will have to request this from the scheme. So a membership statement. What you're looking that's a, a a history of all of your pensionable employments. So what you're looking at is you're looking for disallowed days, job gaps. Can they be explained? If they can, and it was a case that you finished work one week and went back the next month, fine, you're not going to get pensioned on that gap. But you, anything where you, you think it's incorrect, what you need to do is you need to get evidence of this, speak to the payroll department that were, you know, that you, within the trust that you were working in at the time, and then get them to correct the record. Okay. And then that, then you want to ask for an updated annual allowance statement after then. So have a look through the pay figures. It's also sensible to keep copies of your year-end pay slips. So they are the month 12s um, or the March year-end. So that will show you what you've been receipted for during that period of time. And you can use the pay slips to then reconcile against the information from, um, from the scheme. Now, if like many people, you feel a bit overwhelmed with this and you feel like you've just completely fallen down a rabbit hole, then come and speak to the guys at Medics Money and, you know, employ a good accountant. The, the um, specialist medical accountants are very good and they will help you to rectify record these records and also the specialist IFAs, they will work with you on that as well. Um, 
So once all of that's been done, you can then obtain the annual allowance statement, knowing that that information is actually correct. From there, what I would do is I would set up a spreadsheet to track all of the tax years and all of the growth figures. Yeah. Now, there's a, a couple of good um, calculators that you can use online. One of them is the HMLC annual allowance calculator. It will ask you a couple of quite technical questions, though, because it will ask you about what's your threshold income and your adjusted income. And this is where maybe having a bit of help and dialogue from an accountant and IFA can help you to complete that section. Um, it might be a case that what you do is you work with the accountant or the IFA initially, and then you can go and maintain your records yourself after then. Um, so you don't need to keep coming back in and doing that every year. Um, and then obviously we know that the BMA have got a calculator that can help you model your pension. So you can use resources like that too. Um, and then just track from one year to the next. Um, we're getting a lot of calls about car leasing schemes and salary sacrifice arrangements. Anybody who is at or close to retirement, if you're on a, any form of salary sacrifice, you're restricting your pension benefit. So if you're in the 995 section and you're on a best of the last three years, yeah, if, um, you know, it, that that reduction in income will affect your pensionable pay. And what you want to be doing is you want to be boosting that benefit. So it obviously makes sense to not run a car leasing scheme. Anybody below the age of 50, slightly different, okay? Because before the age of 50 in the 1995 section, you can't actually take any benefits out. So the only thing that you are affecting is your ill health retirement, Okay, but we've got plenty of insurance policies, things like that. And you believe actually I'm quite protected in that sense. Then actually the salary sacrifice and the car leasing schemes can work in a different way. They can mitigate annual allowance charges. However, you need the help of a professional, guys, because you're messing, you're kind of playing with fire a little bit. Um, so if you've got a good team of people on side, yes, you can go off and enjoy salary sacrifice <coughs> and drive your car, you know, your lovely sporty cars on your Teslas and things like that. Um, but if you start to get close, you're getting into your 50s and you're creeping closer to your retirement ages, you need an exit strategy because you're not going to be able to carry car leasing schemes into your retirement anyway, because it's part of the NHS employment. So just be really careful with that. Um, and that's kind of, that's what I'm seeing really at the moment. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that was such an amazing run through of things that people can do themselves there and think about. So just to quickly recap, the paperwork, uh, then, you know, don't trust the numbers, make sure the numbers are correct. Verify that yourself by getting a total award statement, uh, a service record so that you can see your whole service pattern and see if there's any gaps and an up-to-date annual allowance statement. Is that right? Yeah, that's um, I love that trick that you said about phoning NHS pensions to get the actual pay figures as well. That That's a really good, I love that. Uh, and then, yeah, salary sacrifice cars has been a bit of a hot topic recently. Uh, but in summary, it's really, really complicated. Uh, especially if you're in the 95 scheme predominantly, and you probably need to run those numbers with somebody who knows what they're doing before Absolutely. you. Absolutely, because when you've you've got a good team of people, we can actually use them 
in quite yeah. a, a clever way because we can mitigate annual allowance charges. But then in some cases, we can bring people back in without them suffering annual allowance charges. But it is very technical work. And it's something that you shouldn't really be taking on yourself unless you've got professionals who are advising you on this. Yeah, but I think that's a key point because uh, salary sacrifice, it can be a disaster. But if you use it well, as you just said, it can also be a good thing. Um, okay, I mean, I just prefer to drive a banger, uh, you know, that I own, <laughs> pay cash for it. Uh, simple. But anyway, not everyone likes to drive a, a beta car. Um, okay, I'm going to pop up a slide um, just so in case you wanted to mm -hmm. get hold of uh, Rachel, um, mm -hmm. then you I've got your contact details up here um, so that people can get hold of you. Um, and let me just see where it is. Um, so what's your email, Rachel? What's the best way? For so it's to Rachel, it's R-A-C-H-A-E-L yeah. dot hall at yeah. Sandrinum hyphen medical dot co dot UK. That's it. Perfect. So yeah, mm -hmm. there's the email. I've dropped the Medics Money uh, website there as well. And that QR code, if you scan that, you'll be taken to our podcast where we discuss this uh, in lots of detail. Um, so that's a, another really good source if you're looking to educate yourself. Thank mm. you so much for your time today, Rachel. That was such an amazing- It's been an absolute good... pleasure. Thank you for having me. And I wish I'll everybody the best of luck for this year. Thank you so much. I'll leave you to get back to your yoga retreat and your yacht in the background there. Ugh. I wish. <laughs> I wonder if Yoga, you can salary, yes. sac Yacht, no. salary sacrifice a yellowy salary sacrifice a yacht. That's a that's a topic for another day. I would Thank be so I would much. be a negative every year if that was the case. <laughs> I think so. It looks like a big yacht. Okay, thank you so much for your time, guys. Thanks for having us and hope to catch up with you again soon. Take care, everyone. Bye bye.